You know, we, uh, we as people, a lot of times we, we pride ourselves, I think, in, uh, in being the only species that uh, understands the concept of, of risk, risk, risk management, uh, taking chances. And uh, yet we have this amazing habit that I, I, I look at, I know it's there, but I'm still always seem like amazed by it, of, of worrying. And it seems that a lot of time spent worrying is worrying about the things that are possibilities while we ignore the real probabilities. Okay, you follow me? Uh, and I'm going to give you a, a, a couple of, of examples of this, and this is, this is a Jerry Helton thing, okay? Hadn't gotten to the word yet. Uh, this is Jerry Helton. But I want to address the, the carnivores, carnivorous, carnivorous, Corona. Coronavirus. <laughs> Carnivores. That's, that's meat eaters. I don't know what we got for lunch. I'll talk to you carnivores later. <laughs> uh, this uh, coronavirus, uh, because it's, it's, it's headlines all the time. Uh, and, and what I'm going to share with you, Jackie and I spent really up until Friday, we're, we're pretty current. I know there's a couple of cases yesterday, I think, in Florida, uh, two deaths. One, uh, and both of them are elderly people, one had a lot more conditions going on besides this virus. Matter of fact, one of them wasn't even diagnosed with the virus until after they died, and they they had coronavirus too. Uh, the other one was, was an older person. The, uh, just to give you a, put it in perspective, in the United States, uh, less than, uh, I think less than 20, I think yesterday was eight, either 18 or 19, but less, I'm going to say less than 30 deaths by coronavirus. Uh, an estimate, I don't know, uh, 18,000 people worldwide that may have, uh, maybe, maybe close to 20,000 by now. Uh, no, coronavirus, the number of people that have contacted worldwide is, is less than 100,000, right at 100,000, less than 33,000 deaths, but less than 20 in the United States. Same time, same, same data from the same months, this year, uh, over several million people in the United States have been uh, have had the flu, and over eighteen thousand deaths in the United States attributable to, attributed to the flu. Okay, uh, and we understand that. My understanding, as I look at this coronavirus, is that it is a strain of one of the viruses. I, this is, I believe, and people have asked, you know, people call and said, what are you going to do? Are you going to have the missions conference? Are you, what are we going to do? Are we going to, at church services, are you going to quit shaking hands? Are you going to do? Uh, my perspective, I believe this is a, a media-driven crisis. Okay, that's Jerry Helton, and I'm not telling you, 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 you evaluate it. But as I've looked, and I really, because I wanted to be accurate, so I've really looked I, th- I think that there's wisdom here. We need to be wise. Uh, wash your, you know, washing your hands, wash. It's got an R in it. If you're more towards you, wash them. If you're not from here, you wash them. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But wash your hands a lot. Uh, and I know somebody this week said, they were, said man, oh, we can't, you, can't, you can't find this antibacterial stuff. My understanding is I've read all the stuff is that the soap and water does better than that. Uh, but they're recommended... 
20 seconds under running water with soap and water. Now, that's something that Barbie has to work on me about. In 20 seconds, I used to could take a shower in 20 seconds. <laughs> and Jeannie, I just want you to know, I, when I shaved, I could shave and take a shower in 20 seconds. Okay, all right. Uh, so a little bit longer with soap and water under, under, the, the, under the running water. Um, for sure, be wise. If you wake up next Sunday morning and you have a fever and you're not feeling good, or maybe just someone low-grade fevers, and you think, man, I don't know, stay home and uh, take some Airborne or eat a lot of oranges or vitamin C or D or whatever you do for the cold or the flu. Mildred, uh, Mildred had that type A flu a couple of weeks ago. Was She missed she actually was out one Sunday, missed two weeks. Her, Sydney, her daughter, had uh, flu, was out. Several of you have had a different flu, type A or type B, or sometimes you feel like you've got A, B, C, D all through the alphabet at one time. Flu can be, you know, really, it can, it, it, again, over 18,000 people this year have died in the United States because of flu, okay? But, but put that in perspective, uh, I, I, I read of, of places that are canceling all things. Again, be wise uh, and, and just be wise. And, uh, but we're continuing. The big thing with me, and we to ask about the youth group going to Peru, as of this morning, there's only one reported case of uh, the coronavirus in Peru. But again, it's like the flu. Many people, even in the United States, uh, as of my research last night, they say many people have probably had the coronavirus and they've, they've went through it and now they're home. They didn't even know they had it and they didn't even stay because there's like a 98% cure rate, okay? If you get the coronavirus diagnosed with it, there's probably a 2% chance that you may die as a result of that with other complications. Uh, with, the, with the flu, it's about, you know, a little bit more. But look, just be wise, be wise. Um, so with the kids going to Peru, with the missions conference, I say, you know, what's the Lord saying to you? Uh, do not let the fear of man keep you from obeying what God's told you to do. Okay? So walk in wisdom. Another thing, while I'm, while I'm talking about some practical stuff here, because I've had people say to me, Pastor, what, what are we going to do with the church, church shootings? And some people say, I'm afraid to go in, in the, to a large church uh, well, there's a lot of people because somebody walk in with a gun and, and, and you know, they've done this. They do it done in crazy, it's a crazy world. If you, uh, if you watched, some of you watched, there was a shooting out in Texas, the latest one, uh, a few weeks ago. A couple of people killed and then the, the, the assailant was killed, so three in all. But, but really, when I looked at that and I watched that video several times, it was interesting because the church knew what to do. When the shot, first shot was fired, the church just got down. The people just got down and the pews bent over. And that allowed the security people to, to take care of the situation. And let me just tell you, we have a really, really, really good safety and security team here at the House of Prayer. 20 or 30 people uh, attended last, last week, actually attended over in Brastown, a all-day seminar on, on just how to, how to make, protect our churches and how to make them more secure and these, these people are really, really good uh, in our church. And so in, if anything ever happened like that at the House of Prayer, the first shot of, of fire, just get down the pews because when you get down, they're going to get up and they're going to take care of the situation, okay? Um, just know that. There's other things. We had Jim, 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 James and Carla Raines were with us this morning back from India where they've gone to see, uh, meet their daughter. Natasha has been gone for several months and 
Man, James, was, he was about, he was missing that daughter. So Carla had never flown on a big jet. So for weeks, I would walk by and sing, I'm leaving on a jet plane. <laughs> and, and, and James was kind of getting on to me because she was really scared. I understand. Uh, I remember the first time I ever got on one of those big, big jets. And, they, and you know, you're sitting there on the, and you're apprehensive anyway. And you get on the runway and then they, they rev up the engine. Yeah, and those engine, that's more horsepower than I'm used to, you know. They rev up the engines, and I'm thinking, Lord, I'm ready to meet you. I'm ready to go. My next thought was, but I wonder if this pilot is, Lord. What if he's, you know, what if it's, what if it's his time and he's not ready? Uh, we worry about that, but really the odds of James and Carla, now she loves flying, okay? The odds of them being killed and flying to India, it was, there was, the probability was a lot higher that they could be killed in a car wreck going to the airport, than in that plane ride to India. And yet what, we, we're so, you know, we, we worry. I don't know, because we think we're not in control of the plane, but we think we are in control of our vehicle. That's kind of crazy. What about the people we aren't in control that we're meeting? You know, uh, anyway, we worry about stuff and things, um, sometimes to the point of really messing with us, and it can steal our joy. It can, it can, it can just worry us to death. Paul, I think, is he's writing to the Christians in Philippi, and he's writing to the believers, and he realizes that, that God wants us as followers of Christ to be joyful, to have a peace, to walk in that, that confidence with him. But there are so many things out there that can rob us of our joy. And the first thing we looked at was, was that circumstances surely could play into that. Paul, writing from house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial at where he could face capital execution. And he didn't know what was, going to, what was going to happen. But he had this single mind that helped him have joy in spite of his circumstances. And that single mind, the, the key to that was for him to live was Christ and to die was gain, Philippians 1.21. And he said, with this mindset... Everything that, I, that everywhere I am, whatever's taking place around me, it's not about me. It's about glory, the glory of Christ and the furtherance of the gospel. And with that, in, with that in mind, he could walk in joy and he could walk excitedly. But he realized that not, sometimes it's not circumstances, but it's people. Ah, ah, people that Jesus died for, people that Jesus loves, people that we're trying to love. Yeah, it's people that can rob us of our joy. And so in, in, the, in dealing with people, Paul said the key that he's found to not letting people steal our joy is to have in chapter 2, it says, to let this same mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that was a submissive mind. It was a mind that saw, looked at others. It was a mind that, saw, that looked at how we can serve other people. Because by serving other people is the way we serve him. And Paul found that to be a great encouragement and, and a great focus on him when people came and lied about him, when people came and kept reminding him everywhere he went about Paul's past. You can't trust him. He's a, he's a persecutor of Christians. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. Look at him now. He's two-faced. He's all hypocrite. Paul had this, wanted this mindset of Christ to be in him. And Paul said, maybe it's not circumstances. Maybe it's not people. You know, we do pretty good, but maybe it's things that own you rather than you owning them. So in chapter 3, we looked at, at, at how, how do we get a proper perspective 
of things in our life. Our toys are those tangibles and those intangibles. Those, those intangibles like our careers, like our work, like our status, like our power. And, and we talked about with that, the key was having this spiritual mindset. Chapter 3, I think it's verse 14 and 15, somewhere in the, down in there, where he, where he was saying, when we begin to see things from heaven's perspective, they take on a whole nother dimension. They're not, they're not something that we live for. There's something that as God gives them to us to enjoy that we can because now we're loving people and using things instead of using people and loving things. It's that spiritual mindset. Well, as Paul gets to the conclusion of this letter to the Christians in Philippi, it's where we're going to open up the letter this morning in Philippians, the fourth chapter. Because when he gets to this, Paul realizes, you know what? Sometimes it's just worrying about if, it, if it's not the circumstances themselves, if it's not people themselves, if it's not the things themselves, it's just the worry that goes along with that that robs us of our joy as Christians. And I believe that in, this closing, in the closing parts of this letter, Paul gives us a really good, some good advice and a good key to not letting worry steal our joy. And the key to that, I believe, is the secure mind. So we've talked about the single mind, the submissive mind, the spiritual mind, and now in closing, the secure mind. And we're going to look at a key. That I've, got, I've got three steps, that practical steps, that, that I think I've, I'm working out in my life. They've been a part of, of who I am for many, many years and working this out. So I'm going to share with you on what I feel like, what I've tried in my life. And maybe they'll at least take them and lay them before the Lord and say, Lord, okay, what is, show me what you want me to see in this. We're at chapter four. I want, to, I want to start off here. Step one is make the choice to rejoice. Make the choice to rejoice. Let's look at verse one. It says, and I'm going to read it from the screen. Craig's got it. Uh, Hudson's got it up there. We got it in the New Living, so I'm going to read it with you. I, I know it from King James, so I'll, if I King James us and you living together, just figure it out. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you, and I really want to see you. That's what he's saying, dear friends. He says, for you're my joy and the crown I receive for my work. He said, man, I, I, I love you. When I think about you, I love you. I miss you. You're the joy of my life. This next verse, I think I'll go to verse four. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, he knew that these, these Christians in Philippi had some tough circumstances. Matter of fact, Paul was thrown in jail in Philippi for the gospel, okay? So it wasn't just the easiest town where there was a church on every corner that loved Jesus and, you, and they had street meetings. They all got together. It wasn't. Okay, circumstance was tough. People were tough. There were things that were involved in this. So he was saying, in the midst of all this stuff, don't worry, but I want you to rejoice. I want you to be rejoice, to be full of joy in the Lord. And again, he says, and by the way, I'm going to say it one more time. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse, uh, verse 5 says, let everyone see that you are considerate in everything you do because the Lord's coming back. Remember, the Lord's coming soon, he's telling them. Get this, this spiritual mindset, this perspective, eternity's forever, and it's soon, sooner than you realize, sooner than you can imagine. Nate on the announcements flicked his fingers, and he was 
from, the, from out there, we thought it was in, on the beach. Boy, Craig did good with that. Snap of a finger. But you realize, for our followers of Christ, in the snap of a finger, we'll be from this life with its worries, with its circumstances, with its viruses, with its lack of viruses, with all those things, to the presence of the Lord himself who loved us and died for us? We will. And Paul reminds them that the first step is to make the choice to rejoice, both in good news and in difficult news. When the sun's shining and everything's warm and you're really comfortable, it's perfect. Yesterday was almost perfect. Oh, it was beautiful. Uh, Alvin and Jane went waterfalling yesterday. Made me, I got a little tired just listening. Walked up to the Soda Falls, went to Helton Creek Falls. What a beautiful day. Well, rejoicing when it's beautiful or even rejoicing when the skies are dark and when you're being pelted by storm. Winds and rains. The, the song the men sing and that Adam sang, that he came, you came, he came looking for me. He walked through the storms that we were in to come looking for us. And I want to tell you something. A lot of times it's in those storms that you're going through as a follower of Christ. When the people around you are making an evaluation if your faith is real or not. Because they look, I'm just saying, they're thinking most people, it's easy to serve the Lord if you've got a big bank account and you've got new cars and your kids are all nice and their teeth are straight and the bills are paid and you have no worries, you know. And you can do what you want to do. It's anybody can be happy, rejoice in that. I ran across this. It's too good to not share with you. I, I don't know who said it, okay? I can't give them credit. But it ain't me, but it's good, okay? The knife of great pain and stress will cut right through the fat of a faked faith. Let me read that again. I just, this picture in my mind, it's, always, it's about food, so that was good for me. But I can just see this fillet knife. The knife of great pain and suffering will cut right through the fat of a faked faith. They'll know if it's real or not. And Paul said, make that choice. To rejoice. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Step two. Step two is this. Rest in his peace. Rest in his peace. I want us to look at verse six and verse seven, Hudson. Verse six says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Now, King James says, don't be anxious for anything. Instead, with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God. Okay? All right? So, he said that we're confronted with this. Paul, realizing that worry can be a part, he said, hey, don't worry. I know it's a lot easier said than done when it's you, okay? But again, we're walking these things out in our relationship with the Lord as followers of Christ. And as followers of Christ, he's encouraged us to make that choice to rejoice. And not only do that, he says, I want you to rest in my peace. How do we do that? And he gives us, he gives us a real detailed step-by-step. When worry comes, go back, Hudson. You're too fast. There you go. Craig's slower. He's older. You're just young and fast. I know. I know. I really do appreciate you young guys. I really do. So many of you. And ladies. Don't worry about anything. Instead, key word, instead. When worry wants to take you where you don't want to go, instead, what? Pray. What do we pray about? Everything. Instead, pray about everything. And as we're praying, as worry is wanting to drag us there, and as we pray, obviously, we need to tell God what we need. 
Lord. Sometimes I tell him, you know, he knows. But sometimes I, I want to remind him, God, do you really understand who I, what I need right here, right now? You know, just in case you forgot, right? We tell him, just in case you forgot. But the, there's two key words, there's this whole verse. And by the way, for those of you, it was, it was many years ago. And there was, a, there was a lot of things. And there was a lot of circumstances. And there was people on my mind. And, uh, and I was anxious. Boy, King James says a little bit better. Yeah, I, was, I was anxious. But you know how anxious he is. And, uh, and if, for those, for the younger kids, for the older, this is for the older folks. Let me just ask this. How many of you younger kids, mostly they're scattered, but most of you, how many of y'all have never played records on a record player? Be honest with me. You've never played records. You never put a records on there. Joel's not. Hey, look at this. Oh, yeah. God love you. All right. Bill. Oh, Bill. I know. I would ask about eight tracks, even four tracks. Anyway, the older ones know what it is when a record hangs up. We used to play those things, and especially when needles would get bad, the records would get scratched, and, and, and the records going around, going, and it can't go on. It can't go on. Anderson, for sake of cutting down in confusion in the assembly, Ask your mother and father when you get home about a record play. No, I'm messing with you. But, uh, but during that time in my life, it was like a hung up record. Now, listen to me. That was in my mind. It was always at the back of my mind. Now, I was, I was functioning. I was doing the things I needed to do. Um, you know, and I was trying to, but always, whether it was at my desk, whether it was at home, where it was, but it seemed like it was so, I couldn't get away from that. It was there. You ever been like that? And that's when this verse really became, I mean, it just really became my anchor. So if you walk into my, if you walk into my office at the FLC, if I'm, if I'm sitting looking this way and looking at my computer, computer there, on the wall right here, I've got this verse printed. I wrote it out for a long time, and I just carried it on a card. I memorized it. But I wanted, but I, I printed it out now in, in big font where I can read it, Joe, and, and bold letters. And it's there every day. Every day I see it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And as you pray, tell the Lord what you want. But there's another key word right here, and that's the word and. You see that? We need to pray, man. It's easy. Pray and tell them what we need. Tell them, what we, tell them what, where we are. Tell them what we're going through. Tell them what we need. But, and, don't forget to what? Thank him for, for what? All he's done. Now, let me ask, why is that so important? Why is it so important that God's word would say, hey, and as you're praying and telling him what you need, hey, don't forget to thank him. Why? Huh? Gratitude. What? Perspective. As we begin thanking him. Oh, yeah. And by the way, I want to thank you for taking care, boy. And when we were, wow. And as you begin to thank him, you realize he is, he's been with you. He does care about you. He did know what was going on, even when you weren't aware of it. That you get this perspective, and it changes everything. It changes, and we rest in that peace. Notice that, because as we do this, verse 7. Now, Hudson, flip it over there, big boy. Look at this. Then, then, and it's important. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything and when you've told God what you want, and don't forget to thank him, it's then. When is then? Then is when you have prayed, 
And then is when you have thanked him. Okay? When we do this, as you do this, he says, then the peace, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. King James says, and then his peace that passes understanding. It don't make sense. It didn't make sense. The circumstances didn't change. The people were still there. The situation was still there. The things were still there. But in the midst of all this, there was this peace when God said, I've got this. What do you mean I've got it? I've got it, Jerry. You can lay it down. It's about to kill me. I know that. I'm still trying to function. I know that. Jerry, I've got this. I've got this. You ever hear him say he's got this in your life? He probably says something nicer and sweeter to you. Because, but I understood. For me, when he said, I've got this, for me it was like, And there's a picture that comes to my mind. I'm going to share this with you. Uh, it's when I was a little boy. I, I wasn't too little. I, was, I probably, I don't know. I was old enough to go deer hunting. And uh, I don't know, 12 or 14. Larry may have went with us. It was one time, it was, I think it was Daddy and Claude and, and me and probably Larry because he was always older and bigger and smarter and hunter better. And uh, we, were, we, were hunt, we were going hunting. Up, now it's close to where Fisherfields was. It was sport before Spivey Bridge was ever built where Cecile lives. And it was uh, deer season, late, late November, uh, early December, big frost on the ground, probably, for, probably ice. But we, had to cross, we wanted to cross the river where we'd found a lot of deer sign. And we're going to hunt on the other side of the river. There wasn't people over there then. And so we, we get to the river, and, and Dad takes off his, his boots. And he's going to wade not the river. And so I started taking off my boots, and he said, son, leave your boots on. I said, he said, get on my back. I'm going to carry across the river. I'll never forget this. I was big. I was a big kid. And I'll never forget, Dad carried me across the river, me carrying his boots, and getting on the other side. That's to me is what it means when God says, I've got this. He's saying to you, and he said to me, hop on my back. I can walk through the, to the, to the, rain, to the river. I can wade through the storm. I've got it. I can carry it. And it's resting in that peace that gives us that secure mind. He says, and then, and what do we want? What do, what do, what do all of us want? We want that peace. The world is starving to death for the peace of Christ, something that will last. It really is. Everything now is just, you know, I love pop, throw it in the microwave. Everything's quick. But because of that, it seems like nothing lasts. And even in our walk with the Lord, we have those great moments. And if we aren't careful, we're like on a roller coaster spiritually. And he said, hey, no, 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 no. He said, I want, you to, I want you to walk in this relationship with a peace that is beyond explaining. And it's a peace that comes when we have prayed about everything. And then when we have thanked him for that, then we will experience God's peace, which is more than anything we can imagine. Now, there's, a, there's another part right here now on this. And he says his peace, this peace. I, I love this because every time I read this verse, I think of my son. And I, and I love this. And every time I want to see him, I say, hey, how's your peace, Zach? How's your peace? Because there was a time, i never forget this, was a time we were sitting on the front porch. Zach was sitting on the steps and I was out in the yard. And, and with tears in his eyes, he said to me, Dad, I don't think I can ever have peace again. 
I've done too much. I've hurt too many people. Don't think I can ever have peace again. Have you ever felt like that? And I'll never forget when God gave him peace. And when he gives you peace because this is what happens next. Listen to this. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, this is just such a beautiful picture. Paul in Philippi. Philippi was a place where a lot of Roman soldiers retired and lived there. It was like a military garrison, and it was, it was, it was, it was pretty, it was neat. And so there was a lot of, of military influence, Roman military influence. So Paul pulls out a word. King James says, and his peace will, will keep your hearts and minds. But uh, and the living, that same word is translated guard in New Living as translated peace in King James. Let me give you the literal meaning of that Greek word there. I would, I would say the Greek word for you, but you, some of you that know Greek would laugh at me. It's, it's something like fluoreo, okay? That's close as you're going to get from this country, boy. Fluoreo. But it literally means to guard or protect by military guard to prevent hostile invasion. It's set in a century. He's saying, as we begin to worry and pull us there, and instead, we remember that instead, a good teacher says, don't just tell a kid what he can't do, but tell him what he can do. Dad hadn't read that book. He just always just smacked us and said, son, you do this, okay? But good teachers today, we are, honey, don't do that, but you can do this, okay? Paul, Paul says, don't worry, but instead pray. Tell him what you need, and as you pray, don't forget to thank him for what he's done. When you do that, then the peace of God will, will experience it, and it will, will have that, and then his peace will keep your hearts. His peace will set a century, century, century guards around our heart to protect our hearts and minds from hostile invasion. What would that be? From the, from the enemy's thoughts and worries and concerns. Now, this is a beautiful picture. You need to get it. Step one is a choice to rejoice. Step two is to rest in his peace. And his peace is experienced as we pray and as we tell him what we need and as we thank him for what he's done as followers of Christ, then we experience that. But let me tell you, that's as followers of Christ. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, there's not, you're not going to find the peace that you're looking for. It's in him. That's why this verse says in his peace. It's his peace. It's God's peace. Okay? It's awesome. Step three, we've got to close. My chili is getting warm at the house. You know, I'm on Barbie's, Barbie's first name. I'm going to have to quit. Last week she said, honey, you kept talking about that deer stew. And she said, can you imagine sitting there? Did you invite the whole church? I said, well, no, I, I guess I did. She said, well, you did. She said, what if they all show up? I said, God will make provision. I'm glad you went and found your own. We ate it every bit. There wasn't any left. Okay. All right. Uh, last one. We can, we can rest. Before, let, can I, I got, I want to take time. But because before I give you the last step, and the, I'm going to tell it to you, but I'm going to go back up. The last step is to focus on finally. But before we get there, and don't just let me talk about his peace that, that, that leads us to a, a real honest, this resting in his peace, I believe, leads us to this real honest goodness of joy of living in a relationship with Christ, not a relationship where you work up or where you fake it. It's the real deal. And uh, let me, let me, uh, me kind of, I ran across this. You remember, you remember Lee Strobel? Some of y'all, The Case for Christ, saw that movie? It's a great movie. Long, but it's good. Well, 
I read across this, Lee Strobel uh, wrote something called The Case for Christmas. And in that, he shares this. Let me just do it. Lee Strobel was working for the Chicago Tribune, true story now, uh, without any intention of being caught up in faith. He was, at the time, a hard-nosed investigative journalist who didn't believe in God. Strobel's editors gave him the assignment. He was to report on the struggles of an impoverished inner-city family during the weeks leading up to Christmas. Go find a family that, that doesn't have much and report on it. He came upon, this is true, the Delgado family, 60-year-old Perfecta Delgado, and she had two granddaughters that, that she was raising, Lydia and Jenny. Lydia was 11 and Jenny was 13, okay? They had been burned out of their roach-infested tenant and were now living in a tiny two-room apartment on the west side of Chicago. Some of you know about that. Uh, Fred, you was a police officer in Chicago, west side. As he walked in, Strobel wrote, I couldn't believe how empty it was. There was no furniture, no rugs, nothing on the walls, only a small kitchen table and one handful of rice. That's it. He says they were virtually, they had nothing. And he said, uh, 11-year-old Lydia, 12-year-old Jenny, 11-year-old Lydia, 13-year-old Jenny owned one short sleeve dress each. That's in Chicago, December. They had one thin gray sweater between them. When they walked a half mile to school through the biting cold, Lydia would wear the sweater part of the way, and then she would give it to Jenny, who would wear it the rest of the way. But... He says the Delgado family had one thing that amazed him. He said in the midst of this very, very difficult living conditions, they had joy. Listen to that. They had joy. It wasn't cheap kind of joy that laughed at every joke. It was a gentle joy that had hope and peace. There was no despair in this home, nor was there any self-pity. God, said the grandmother, had not abandoned them. Well, he writes his article, and uh, uh, even uh, uh, quoting Perfecta's confidence, faith in Jesus Christ, and he went on to his other assignments. But as Christmas approached, he couldn't help but think of the family with so much joy when it didn't have anything. And it, it wrestled with that, because in his life there was emptiness. So he says, I continued to wrestle with the irony of the situation. Here was a family that had nothing but faith, and yet seemed happy. While I had everything I needed materially... But I lacked faith, and inside, I felt as empty and barren as their apartment. So he made an excuse to go back and check on the family. When he arrived, he was amazed at what he saw. Readers of his article had responded to the family's need in overwhelming fashion. Sounds like the house of prayer to me. I, I, I believe it. Y'all are such amazing, giving, ministering church. Oh, wow. He was overwhelmed with the, with the donations. There was, a new, there was new furniture, appliances, and rugs. There was a Christmas tree and stacks of wrapped presents. And there was plenty of food and plenty of clothes, warm clothes for the girls. There had been even a generous amount of cash donated. But of all the surprises on his second visit, nothing had prepared Strobel for the biggest surprise of all. The grandmother and her granddaughters was busy preparing gifts, giving away what had been given to him? Why? Strobel asked. Perfecta said, our neighbors are still in need. We can't have plenty while they have nothing. This is what Jesus would want us to do. She waved at all the gifts. 
She said, this is wonderful. This is very good. We did nothing to deserve this. It's a gift from God. But his greatest gift, she said, but his greatest gift is not this. We'll celebrate that gift tomorrow, and that's Jesus. Wow. When she said that, Strobel said her words cut to my heart because I didn't even believe there was a God. says, you can't fake rejoicing in the gift of Jesus when you're in a tough spot. Even a hardened reporter would know that. And Strobel left that tiny apartment where those with very little prepared to give away what they had. Something in him longed to know the Jesus they knew. And eventually he would. Circumstances. Rest in his peace. Pray. Know that he's there. Step three. Close him quickly. Focus on the finality. Verse 8. Now, King James, verse, uh, and the reason this is why I've got fina- finally, because King James says finally, okay? After, when where it comes, and instead of worrying, you prayed. And when you prayed, you told him what you need, and instead of, and you hadn't forgot to thank him. And then you've experienced the peace of God that's beyond comprehension. And finally, verse 8 says, now, New Living says, and now, but I love finally. It fit with my alliteration. So focus on finally. When your mind begins to take you, where places you where worry or doubts there, think on these things. And he says, now, dear brothers, sisters, fix your thoughts. In other words, that's more than just, that's like, hey, 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 pay attention. Fix your thoughts on what's true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now you say, why? I'll tell you why. And again, this is a verse, verse 8. Now, verse 8 was a little hard for me to memorize, and I still get them mix them up, mixed up. And finally, my brother, whatsoever things you know, are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are, are just, pure, are, but, but the gist and the truth of it is so real. I, I, it was so important that I, I was having trouble memorizing, so I wrote it again on a 3 by 5 index card and carried it with me. Because there, there was a time when I would struggle with thoughts. They would just come in. They would come in uninvited. They would come in at some of the most, at the, at the worst times in the world. You know, they didn't come in, when it, they didn't come in necessarily when I was trying to read the Bible, but they were there and, they, and to deal with them. And this verse, when, when that happened, rather than folks, I knew I, I, I'm praying, but I needed something to fix my mind on. And as I fixed my mind on this, word, this verse, finally, brethren, finally focus on these things. And I realized that these things are true. God's word is true. Psalms 119 and 160. We're not going there. But it says God's word is altogether true. Psalms 119 verse 140 says that God's words are pure. Psalms 119 verse 68 says that God's words are good. So as we're focusing on these things, God's word became a, a, a finally a focus. The focus on that. Because as we focus on these, it, again, it comes back to Bill. To this perspective, we can rejoice. Now, why these steps? Because of John chapter 15, verse 11. Paul is sharing with these Philippians. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to give you a hint. Next Sunday morning, you're going to have a treat, okay? Because next Sunday morning, a person is going to share with us of their journey. Like Paul, they were, they were, there was a time when they were uh, really living for religion and didn't know the relationship. But when, that, when they met Jesus Christ 
and they found that relationship in a living Lord, their life has changed 180. You'll get to, next Sunday morning, you'll want to hear what this person has to share. But, but I leave you with this verse from John 15, verse 11. Because it's, it's Christ's will, it's his will, that we walk in joy in relationship. And we can do that. We can do that with this single mind. We can do that with this submissive mind. We can do that with a spiritual mind. And we can do that with this secure mind that rests in him. He says, these things I've spoken to you, that your, my joy might remain, remain in you. Look at this. And that your joy may be full. Now look, at this is this awesome. It'd be hard to just dissect it. The joy of the Lord, his joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength, right? And then in doing that, as we walk in that, we realize that our joy is what? Half full? Mostly full? Full! Not half empty. Not running on a quarter of a tank. Running on a full tank of joy, man. In spite of the circumstances, people, things, and worry don't stand a chance. Ah, it'll come knocking. You may catch your stuff, begin to dialogue or talk with it. Quickly remember God's word. Choice to rejoice, rest in his peace, and finally focus on his truth. Let's pray. Well, Lord, it's, it's been one of those mornings, I, 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 to me, it's uh, been one of those practical mornings uh, that, we, that we focus. Lord, there's, there's so many things out there we could worry about. We could, we could and, and, and we're reminded of them constantly. While I believe we need to be reminded of your truth. We need to have this mindset that we can uh, trust you. We can be secure in you because you've got it. Whatever it is, whatever the circumstances, whatever the situation, you've got it. We don't have to panic. We don't have to get in a tizzy. We don't have to get in a frenzy. We just need to to make a choice to rejoice, rest in your peace, and finally focus on your truth. Lord, help us walk that out. Lord, let us walk that out so when people say, how can you do this with all that's going on? We can say, because of Christ. It's not me, it's him. Aren't you worried? Aren't you? No. Because every time I start to get worried, I remember that he tells us instead to pray. And as I begin praying and tell him what I need and what, what I want him to do, he's, I'm reminded that I need to thank him for what he's done. And every time I start thanking him for what he's done, I remember he's done more than I ever could imagine. And when I start thinking like that, there's a peace that comes over me that I can't explain. And not only that peace that comes over me, but he tells me that it's that peace that's guarding my mind and my heart in Christ so I can finally focus on those things that are good and pure and admirable and holy. They're worth thinking on. Father, it's been a message mostly to followers of Christ, but I know, just like Strobel, that sometimes it's in seeing Christians live this out that people who have not asked Christ to be their Savior yet see that it's not a phony, fake religion. It's not just like we put on clothes, Sunday clothes, and, and put on our best and show the best. But it's a relationship that's real with you 
at UCS in, in tomorrow and tonight and you walk with us and you want us to rest in you and be real. And in that, I realize that there, there may be those here this morning who've never accepted you as their Savior. And I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would be so beautiful to them, so inviting to them that they would say, oh man, I want to know him too. I want to know him too. If that's you this morning, and you say, Pastor, I've heard a lot. I know enough to know that I need to trust Jesus as my Savior and let him come into my heart and save me. But I've never done that. I've just kind of just started. But I've, in starting, I realized I, I, I started ahead of I need to make this decision and commitment to trust Him. If that's you, I, I'd appreciate if you just hold your hand. No, I'd appreciate if you just stand up right where you are. And I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but just stand up. And I want to pray with you. Father, may your Holy Spirit do the work, transformation, or heart transplant and trust in you. You can sit down. Father, help us walk in this joy. In Christ, I pray. Amen.